so happy that you showed up and joined in to listen and take part of my podcast. It's called You're Probably Right, where everything is right to somebody. And sometimes the left is right and sometimes the right is wrong. Yeah, that didn't really work too well, but whatever. That was Amazing Grace by yours truly. And you're listening to your Probably Right podcast. And I am your host, MCM. It is the end of the year, everyone. It is as we speak ending. It is, uh, what am I saying? It is the 31st of December, 2021. And I decided that I would just kind of melt into the new year with a new set of podcasts. So I will be actually naming this podcast number one for season two of your Probably Right podcast. You are welcome at my house anytime, figuratively speaking, of course. All right. You know, I'm looking at this podcast that I've done, this body of work, and I mean, it's only... What is it? I got to list, list this thing up. It's only been 20 episodes for this year. And one actually wasn't even done <clears throat> this past year. The one wasn't even done this year. I just decided to start it off with that first one. But I was thinking that, you know, although my way is literally still being made straight, by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everything is still in his control I decided that most of my so far done and finished podcasts were more on the my opinion my political opinion my social opinion you know and what I think you know, according or differently than what is out there, the social norms and the cancel culture and the COVID stuff and all the other stuff that I kind of spoke about this year. And, you know, I really, you know, have to apologize to God, first of all, because I could have made this podcast represent who I am first of all now yes I did tell you about my history and some of the things that I stand for but you know as somebody asked me you know one time not even one time many times people ask you you know what are you where do you come from who are you and you know some would say you know I'm black or I'm white or I'm Canadian or I'm from Sweden or from Swedish I am Swedish from Sweden or I am from Norway or you know you get the picture or I am black or brown or I am um, whatever (laughs) but you know a man or a woman or you know whatever it just goes on and on it's the different identities that we could possibly take on or that we've been given, or that we're supposed to have, or that we're supposed to represent. So I think that I would best 
be able to tell myself and anyone else who asks or even to think about me as firstly before man before a husband before black before canadian before jamaican before irish scottish <laughs> or whatever indian and it goes on and on and on in my background but um i would say firstly i am a christian i am of the family of god i am a believer in the lord jesus christ the son of god who was crucified for my sins and who rose again conquering death hell and the grave and i believe one day he will be coming back for his own i believe that i am in the family of god so i'm going to talk a little bit about this but not from my perspective but from the bible perspective but i will give you a piece of what i think in there now the thing with christianity these days is because it is such a political thing these days it is you know from the mainstream of course i'm i'm umbrella i'm looking at it and a lot of time you want to know who a person takes their teaching from before you will even listen to a word that they say these days and you know rightfully so it is should be that way because many of us just listen 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 and then you listen and you hear the person believes in something that's not even in the bible at all and it kind of wrecks your whole world in a sense it's like for instance if i say i'm a christian and i'm listening to a certain minister and they're giving me all these amazing teaches teachings and then all of a sudden i say they say that they believe in abortion for everyone or something or they don't believe that jesus is the son of god or they believe that jesus is the brother of the devil like stuff like that like could you imagine listening to somebody for two three years or months or even days even hours and then finding out that you're totally 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 on two opposite ends of the spectrum so to make this very simple for you and as we're getting in six minutes in to me speaking um i would like to let you know that i do listen to at the moment a certain two ministers and those two ministers or ministries i would say first of all the grace to me grace to you ministry and that is by john macarthur and the second is by um his name escapes me right now i'm just trying to see if i can go through it but it is dtbm and if i could find it let's see if he has it here oh john barrett funny they're both they're both johns but um and john barrett was actually a student at the master seminary underneath john macarthur and i know that he's written some books or at least one book at least that was forwarded by john macarthur and i know that he sometimes refers to using the macarthur study bible which i have in my hand here always in its case i know that some people believe in like totally reading through and destroying the bible but i like to keep this one at least nice and clean and 
whatever that's just my whatever two cents but um yeah those are the two main ministries that i've listened to now to say that i've never listened to anyone else no of course not i would say that i started off listening to many of the so-called tele-evangelists and of course i've listened and um, been under the teaching of my local ministers here in toronto but um what i found out was i did learn some things but i differ from a lot of the belief systems that some of these so-called ministers and some would call them snake oil salesmen or charlatans or apostates or whatever but like honestly back when i was a teenager going in my into my 20s i was taken up by people like Benny Hinn and like, wow, this healing ministry is, this is really amazing stuff for um, Kenneth Hagen. I've listened to John Hagee. I've listened to Oral Roberts. I've listened to Richard, Richard Roberts. I've listened to um, just so many Creflo Dollar. Um, what's the big one? Um, but anyways, I've listened to any and everyone. I've even listened to a certain gentleman that was in uh, Christian apologetics and he passed away, I think, a couple years ago. And just to find out now that there's a whole bunch of tapes and a whole bunch of stuff saying that he did this and that. And, you know, sometimes these people who are in front of us teaching about Christianity falter. And when they falter, it's a letdown to the whole body. So the reason why I wanted to go through a little bit about it was just to say that I was far on the Pentecostal side, the born again, you know, um, the getting slayed or touched in the Holy Spirit and falling out and speaking in tongues and stuff. And I've honestly... I've backed off a lot of the beliefs that a lot of the ministers who back that stuff. And I've done my best to look into the scriptures for myself and to really over the years take in the preachings that I've got. And just to make sure that I am on the right track, because at the end of the day, honestly, I do not want to miss heaven for nothing. You know, I've looked at all the various, um, let's see if I wanted to just for the, just for the sake of it. Now it's me and you here, so I can spend as long as I want. I, I have some stuff to really get into with you, but first I wanted to get into something, but I want to pull it up just so I can see who I have listened to for real. Like I gave you some names, but I just want to give you. Uh, a rough really uh, or not really I've given you a rough but I want to get more specific just hang on with me if you can let's see okay here we go. We got we got a few here. I just wanted to tell you, like, I can list the people that I've listened to. Now, hope this thing isn't actually playing on here. But um, I've listened to Billy Graham. 
I've listened to Pat Roberts. I've listened, well, a little bit. I've listened to Joel Olstein, um, T.D. Jakes, Jerry Falwell, not that much, but a little bit. Um, not much of Franklin Graham. Um, let's see. Marilyn Hickey, Robert Schuller, Joyce Meyer, Jimmy Swagger, um, John Heggie. Did I say John Heggie already? thought I did. Benny Hinn is there again. Um, Oral Roberts, Charles Stanley. I've really, I really enjoyed, I think that was the step away from most of the deeper Pentecostal side of things. When I started listening to him, I've listened to Morris Cirillo, Jim Baker back in the day, Peter Popoff. My mom used to have playing in the house, Herbert W. Armstrong, um, David Jeremiah, Creflo Dollar, Jack Van Impey, Jesse Duplantis, not really one, Manita. Um, Eddie Long at one point. Um, Kenneth Hagen and Richard Roberts. Kenneth Copeland. And there's obviously more here. Um, Catherine Coleman. Paul Crouch. Rex Humbard. Noel Jones, but mostly just singing. Um, Rod Parsley, Robert Tilton, Jim Whittington, my parents mostly there. But the list goes on, and a lot of these, yes, Rod Parsley, I said Rod Parsley, I think. Um, and just like how's the best way like a lot of these people are connected but and a lot of them are eccentric for sure and i realize that many of the teachings most of those people that i that that i said i've listened to before i would never listen to them again on any circumstances and that's simply because I don't believe in a lot of what they teach. I don't believe in at least how they're being displayed in the media. But again, the media, you can't really trust it at the same time. So I try to go back into my mind's eye and remember some of the things that they said that seem to not really be biblical. And I just wanted to stop out for a second from all my um, opinions and all of the political opinions and general conjecture of whatever it is that you know might be the mainstay or the point of the day and just give you the basic gospel and of course this is going to be quickly 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 I'm this is going to be quick I'm not going to be talking forever even though it has been 15 minutes that I've been talking right now but I just wanted to give you some background now yes I have also heard the point of views from people who are of the Islamic faith people who are Muslim and people who are Hindu 
and people who are sick or sick, um, people who are Jewish. And, you know, I've kept my ear open. And at the same time, I've tried to stay strong in the faith that I believe. But at the same time, for anyone to just say that they'd never listened or heard anything like you want to test yourself to make sure that you believe what you believe and you know what you know because sometimes when you speak to people of other faiths or other sects of christianity even and they tell you something that sounds totally outlandish and doesn't is not um stood on at all in the scriptures you wonder where they're getting their belief system like for instance catholicism now not to offend anybody but maybe to offend you many times when i speak to a person of that roman catholic faith and ask them about parts in the bible i would tell you honestly in my case 95 percent of the time and i guess i'm throwing out a percentage not usually to back up my point but i couldn't honestly give you the real math but i would just say honestly almost every time i've spoken to somebody who's catholic and said a scripture here or there they either had no clue that it was in the bible or they didn't give it much credence because I wasn't a Catholic minister and they've never really read their own Bible, but they call themselves Roman Catholic. And um, it's not really hit on that. It's just, it's kind of sad because how do you say you're about a faith if you know nothing about your faith? Or if you know more about the catechism than you do about the actual Holy Bible? Or when you give more credence to Mary than you do Jesus, just because she was a lady and she bore a child and all the words in the scriptures are based off of her son, not her. And just like little things like that, big things like that really have me wondering. And that's why for me to come on here and just sit and just spout off every, you know, podcast and just say whatever, whatever, hey, this is what I think, but without having you know who I really am. So... I say that, yes, there's a lot of people who've listened to my podcast, and there might be some who might start listening because of this podcast, and there might be some who will stop listening because of this particular episode. That's okay. But from where I come from, if one person hears what I have to say, or if somebody is persuaded to look into what they believe more and to seek the true living God because of something that I've said here, then even if I only end up with one person, I doubt it, but (laughs) if I only end up with one person listening and it changes their life and I'm able to drag one of you with me (laughs) to heaven, then my work is done and I would hope I would hear well done good and faithful servant enter in in other words I do not want to be just here saying a whole bunch of stuff every week and then not really giving up the goods you understand now it's not really it's I'm not a radio broadcasting minister and I'm not a minister but I'm ministering I guess but I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving you the real real because what's the point of so many people have listened to me already and you know as i said it's kind of embarrassing because 
there's so much I could have said and maybe there's somebody that would have heard me that may not hear me again that could have heard the truth even if they were to turn off my broadcast if you understand what I'm saying so to all of you who could have heard about this earlier I truly 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 apologize and for those of you who have to tune out guess what this episode is going to be on here hopefully for a long long time and you can tune back in and listen to it like I do I listen to grace to you every morning on my way to work and funny enough it takes about that as long as his broadcast John MacArthur's broadcasts are in the morning is about as long as it takes me to get to work so I'm able to listen to the whole thing and if I don't because of whatever reason I can hit some of it on the way home and I get a good lesson instead of just listening to random people tell me about all the people who got shot or stabbed on the night before or rock into some nice beats although I do listen to some music sometimes which is generally worship music but or at least gospel music but um you know I I think that's a good thing for me anyways to do in the mornings and it helps me to stay focused if I can't sit there and read a scripture myself I can hear the word of God and and let it do something to my life to help me to draw myself closer to God and to learn more about my God and my Savior okay so just right after this we're gonna get into it Now, if you believe that maybe I've listened to too many ministers, you could be right. Or let's say you're probably right. But I'm happy that I've heard everyone's point of view. I'm happy that I haven't to this point been totally closed minded, that I've heard what other people say. I've heard what other belief systems, religions, um, beliefs or whatever have said. But I thank God that. I'm still a believer and I've learned what I've learned so that I can speak in some sort of educated way and not from a narrow-minded, unlearned way. Because sometimes you hear people totally argue or fight against something that they actually really believe, but because of who they heard a person is, they just kind of dismiss everything which is really an ignorant way of living your life, if you understand, even though I do believe in actually being narrow-minded once you've found your faith in God. Now, again, you may not agree with me, but that's okay. So, I really had a way that I was going to speak about um, certain things as far as being a sinner being saved by grace why we were saved and who we were saved by and it was really a simple message that probably would have taken up all of five to eight minutes to really talk about and for me i'm not going to say i would actually i will say it was a new revelation for me because there's certain things in the scriptures that you know you say over and over you've repeated it over and over almost like a mantra and then there's there's certain things that hit you 
every once in a while a, a little piece of truth here a little there a little it seems like it's like little mercy drops of the true and living God that are food to a believer's soul now if you've been there in that situation you know exactly what I'm talking about and it might have happened maybe even in the temporal the natural world whereas it's kind of like for instance I have this spraying gun that I you know I can put all kinds of different detergents and bleach or whatever it is and I could spray off I just have to pump it a few times and I spray I don't know what the correct name for the the um, apparatus is called but basically I put in the bleach or I put in whatever the mixture of cleaning products it is and then I can just go about spraying or cleaning whatever I want I can just spray them really quickly by just pressing the button almost like an aerosol can except it's not an aerosol can it's a big jug but you know I had it for about a year and about maybe a year and two or three months and I've been using it, using it, using it, using it. And I, you know, I've put the, I have this little cord that um, has the stuff that comes out and I've been just laying it beside it, putting it, putting it through the handle just to keep it up or whatever it is, just to realize the whole time I didn't realize that there was a special place on the jug for it, that it can go perfectly alongside the jug, that it doesn't have to fall off and end on the floor so somebody can step on it, which I'm sure it happened multiple times because it's slightly broken now. But if I had known that that little piece was there on the jug, I would have used it a long time ago. But better late than never, I guess, because I'm still able to use it even though it's a little bit broken now. But I found that there is a couple different selections of areas that I could be utilizing on the apparatus, but I didn't realize. Now, why didn't I realize? There's a couple reasons. First, I'm just a little bit slow sometimes with some things. I don't realize, but stuff's looking me right in the face. And I don't just don't see it. Second, I didn't read the manual. So how would I know? It's kind of like the scriptures, kind of like Christianity, but different. But what I'm saying to you is the difference here is that I've read it. I truly believed I understood what a scripture meant. And then all of a sudden, when I went to explain it to somebody else, the truth about these certain scriptures hit me like a ton of bricks, someone would say. So what I wanted to do, instead of just keeping it to myself, I wanted to pass it on to you so that hopefully, maybe, you can have that same truth imparted to you and see the realization of what I'm saying and hopefully it can minister to you and hopefully you can pass it on. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to start, talk a little bit about Genesis. I'm going to go into the fall of man, what happened. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit of Romans. And I'm going to give you 12 different scriptures just telling us about what Jesus did and, and stuff like that. That, you know, maybe you're a believer, maybe you know nothing. Maybe you've only listened, like me, to a bunch of fast-talking, feministic type of ministers asking for money and favoring everything on 
the feminine side because they know, for instance, that more of the parishioners tend to be female. There's a lot of men who walk out on their families and women a lot of times have turned to the church. So it's just been that way. Or people who speak to the needs of people who are poor and tell them to give everything they have and God will bless them and all that nonsense. With the prosperity gospel and seemingly living off the poor and driving Mercedes and buying expensive jets and the list goes on of abuse that many people have taken and abused what their calling really was and only God can help them. Anyhow, I'm going to go to Genesis. Now, I'm going to stop every once in a while and you'll hear me interject a little bit, not to change or to add, first of all, to any scripture. Again, I do my best to listen to the words of God that I've read myself. And as I said up lately, just to be straight and clear with you, I've been listening to John MacArthur and John Barnett. So you should really check them out, see what they're about. And if you do, then great, you know what I'm talking about. So everything may not be a hundred, but I think better than me just always rambling on, as I said, about political and social agendas and views, I figure why not give you a little bit of the word here. <clears throat> and I guess if it catches on, maybe I'll do it more often. I'm not sure how good I am at it, actually. So <laughs> maybe I'm the last person you want to hear. But anyway, here we go. So Genesis, this is the written account of Adam's family line. I'm going to just read a couple verses here. It's only one through five of, I think it's chapter two. Here's a funny thing. No, chapter five. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. Verse 2, he created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, yes, 130 years, people, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had another son had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and he died. Okay, so I just wanted to put that out there. So obviously, this is Adam we're talking about. And obviously, Seth wasn't his first son because he had um, Cain and Abel first. And Cain killed Abel and the story goes. So you can go back and read that. But I just wanted to <clears throat> give you a little basis on Adam. So he did die after 930 years. But what caused him to die? Because it didn't look like that was what was supposed to happen in the first place. You could say, what, he wasn't supposed to die ever? I don't know. But <clears throat> read this. Listen to this. The fall. And I'm saying these in a way to have you search the scriptures yourself. So, no, I'm not going to give you the whole story. It is really, really interesting. And it is food to my soul, personally. And if you're a believer, you will know what I mean. And if you don't, then it's about time you start reading the Bible and listening to sermons instead of watching Hollywood movies and listening to 
secular music and nonsense about what the news has to tell you about Omicron and COVID and yada, 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 and how bad it is, whether or not it's a cold or whether or not it's a glorified flu, and the list goes on. Okay, the fall. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God, he said to the woman, this is the serpent. Now, obviously, Satan, the Satan, the adversary, who was the angel Lucifer in heaven, is speaking through the serpent. Now, I don't know if it's the natural snake that some would say, but it is a serpent. Anyhow, said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, why is he talking to the serpent first of all? Anyways, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die now this is what the serpent says this is verse 4 here you will not certainly die the serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil he's already started tricking her and she has no clue because she's innocent so what i've realized and just stopping there for a second is that (sighs) evil sometimes just the word the e-v-i-l just scares people it sends shivers down your spine and gives you goosebumps and because of Hollywood usually media or whatever ghost stories people just get creeped out by it and they think that everything bad will look bad will smell bad will sound bad but what you haven't realized maybe or maybe you have and if you have you're probably right that generally the wicked one packages things in nice things so they'll package their evil or their wrong in nice things not horrible looking creepy things nobody would touch it whether a believer or not You know, people try to show you that the devil, for some reason, is half man, half horse, and he's red and has two horns, and he carries a pitchfork, right? You understand what I'm saying. You know, you you get that. Um, and no doubt it could that could be something ugly, or that could be one of his um ways of looking, maybe. But generally, it comes like how it is here. He says to her, you will not certainly die. Right from when he said that, her knowing God already. If she said already, he said, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it 
or you will die. Once she heard that, she should have had nothing to do with this this serpent when he says that you will not die. Okay? That was the mistake, first of all. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. You see that? Exactly what I was saying to you. It wasn't a moldy, ugly, yucky fruit that looks like death. It looked like life. It looked good to eat, it said in verse 6 here. And also desirable. See? So it looked good to the eye. It was desirable. What else is looking good to the eyes, fellas? And what else is desirable? For gaining wisdom or whatever. It says, and it also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. You hear that? Then the eyes of both of them were open. It would make it seem like it was true what he was saying, the devil. Because he said, For God knows when you eat of it from, from it, your eyes will be open. Now, first of all, if you think about this, God never said your eyes wouldn't be opened. It wasn't the point. The point is you will surely die. <laughs> it is a bad thing. Nobody said your eyes won't open. <laughs> but he's very slick. He's smarter than us. The average Joe <laughs> or Jane. Right? It says she gave it to her husband, Adam. So poor Adam didn't even ask. He, I'm sure he knew where it came from. He just stuffed it down his gullet and history was made. So they've both sinned now. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them. Now, he didn't say that he couldn't see them, right? But he knew they were hiding. So he said, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, this is God now, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So obviously God's not asking in a way that he doesn't know, but he wants to hear the truth. He wants them to confess and say what is right. The man said, <laughs> the man said, check out his answer. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit <laughs> from the tree and I ate it. Not much of a backbone here. <clears throat> so he's not showing any guts. He's not taking the blame. He's put her right in front. So if, if there was wrath to be had at this point, and that was the way that God dealt wrath, then the woman would have got it because Adam didn't protect her at all. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? 
and it goes on from there now i can't remember exactly which chapter this is but it's early on in the scriptures of genesis the beginning of the holy bible if you're wondering both this part and the part that i was talking about adam and how long he lived <clears throat> so this fall actually happened before the last part that i read where it says that he lived a total of 930 years so we don't know how long he really would have lived but I'm guessing he probably wouldn't have died if they didn't fall in this way. And yes, they had a will. So they had choice in what they would say out of their own mouths or what they would do with their bodies to a certain extent. A lot of people would just call it free will. But I don't know how free will, but I know that we do have a will. And we can do and make choices. So... Remember, sin, okay? Now, the whole basis of me talking today was basically that, sin. But um, I'm just giving you scripture that hopefully by the end of it you'll understand. And hopefully it's not in any kind of convoluted way so you can't get what I mean by the end of this. But it says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know already the wages or what you earn from sinning is death. And we know that they disobeyed God. That was a sin. They disobeyed him. Yeah, they disobeyed him by taking what he wasn't supposed to. And then even Adam was blaming <laughs> the woman. And it just got worse and worse as they were being funny, you know, like I'm naked, I'm hiding, I'm this, them, that, and just everything is just, they just turned shady all of a sudden just from disobeying God, which was sinful, of course. <clears throat> Here's a small comment. Listen to this. When life becomes difficult, it is easy to forget that we serve a God who understands sacrifice. Because we believe that he's perfect, right? How does he know what I'm going through? Right? He knows what it is like to lose for greater good. This is our God. This is truth. This truth is important for believers to know. Because we will also be called to sacrifice. Each Christian... Jesus once said, if anyone would come after me, and you could say, follow me, or you could say, come after me. So anybody who's going to be a believer, who anybody who's going to follow the almighty God, whoever's going to follow as a believer, a disciple, a Christian, right? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross or her cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. Now, that was from the ESV version, <clears throat> English Standard. Okay, so I want you to look at these 12 um, examples of this. And it's, called, it's from ibelieve.com. I put that out there because I didn't come up with these. 
but I will give you my two cents in it while I speak. Obviously, I will not try to pervert the scriptures at all. I will sometimes I do stop in the middle of them as I reach them, read them, but I give you the verses and I give you hopefully the chapters and everything so you can go and look them up for yourself to see what they say for yourself. Okay, I'm not here to deceive or to give anybody any brand of anything and I'm not asking for anything, but I do want this stuff to be known. So, Jesus, sacrifice shows God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is John 3.16, as many of you know. Not, uh, what is it, Austin <laughs> 3.16, or whatever they do in WWF or WWE. <sighs> that always bugged me. Um, yeah, that's from the ESV as well. God knows what it's like to lose someone you love. He intentionally placed himself in this position by sacrificing his son, his only son, because he did not want to lose us. Imagine he valued us that much that he would allow Jesus to sacrifice himself. That's how great God's love is for us. Shown through the greatest gift to the world his only son, Jesus Christ. Two, Jesus' sacrifice shows God's grace and his mercy. Listen, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we weren't saved. He died when we weren't even Christians. He didn't die for Christians. He died for sinners. It says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. While we were yet evil, while we were hostile against the cross, being hostile against God, he died for us once and for all. We deserve God's wrath the most for all that we've done, all of our sins. And I know you're sitting there saying, and I'm going to address it eventually, that, you know, I haven't really done much. I might have cheated on my taxes here or there, or I might have taken an extra candy out of the candy bowl, or I might have punched out a guy because he hit me first, or I might have done this or that, or what little thing, or I might tease the girl because she didn't dress as well as I did, or made fun of somebody because of this or that. You know, these are sins scoffing and stealing and lying and cheating and all this other stuff that we grew up doing they're all sins and the wages of sin remember what it said the wages of sin for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life romans 6 23 so we deserve the wrath now, you might say, well, that's kind of harsh for just stealing some candy or whatever it is. But guess what? I don't make the rules. <laughs> and you don't only sin once in your life. And most of us have done horrible things in this world, whether we'd like to admit it to others or not. This ultimate example of grace and mercy we deserve punishment and separation, yet God gave forgiveness and eternal life. 
3. Jesus' sacrifice shows our security in God. He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrew 9.12 Now I'm not sure if you really get this. What it was in back in those days, before Jesus sacrificed himself, and some people did it after, but it was unnecessary and they were following, the, going the wrong way. But what happens once a year, and I think maybe more than once a year, they would, act, act, they would actually sacrifice animals. If you were poor, maybe you had pigeons or doves. If you were more wealthy, you might have had goats and really wealthy, maybe cows or whatever. You would offer these sacrifices for the sins of you and your family so that God would see it and have mercy on you and you could still enter in. And letting you know in this scripture here that God doesn't want the sacrifices of innocent animals who are just being animals out there. We are sinning. So he needs a greater sacrifice. He doesn't want you just to spill blood of animals doing what they're supposed to be doing. So Jesus came down and he died for our sins. This is the reason it was foretold in all of the scriptures before Matthew, before Matthew, Matthew, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so on. Listen, <clears throat> the sacrifice, the sacrifices in the Old Testament did not cover sins for long. That's why they had to do it regularly. This is why these types of sacrifices were required to be performed over and over again. The sacrifices, the sacrifice of Christ, however, covered all sins forever. Imagine that. Those sins that were done before, after, and now. And after now. Securing the salvation of anyone who places their faith in him for eternity. Four, Jesus' sacrifice shows an example of humility. Why, you say? Well, let's see. Who though he who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped unlike the devil of course right and I'm going back to scripture sorry but made himself himself nothing taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the disgraceful, even death of the cross. And that was looked on as a disgraceful death. And if you remember at the beginning here, it said, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. So he didn't have to hold on to that. He didn't need levity of being called God among men even though he was he came as a servant 
He served. He washed his servants' feet. He died. He was hung on a cross. He was stabbed in the side. He was thorns were put on him. He was beaten 40 times. I think it says stripes. By his stripes we are healed. Jesus didn't only sacrifice himself on the cross. His entire life was a sacrifice. Although he was equal to God, he sacrificed his divine privilege to walk this earth as a human and lived a perfect life, which of course we cannot. This is what he did for us. That was his humility and what I think many of us believers lose sight of oftentimes. It's the humility. It's the humbleness. It's not having to have to fight and to prove your right and to prove your way all the time. Humbling yourself. He could have stopped at any point and said, you know what, this is enough. You guys are going to pay here for your own sins. I'm not going to take this from you, from lowly humans, my creation. But he took it. Five. Jesus' sacrifice purifies us. Well, let's see. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9.14 in the ESV. The sacrifice of Jesus consecrates believers and sets us apart so that we can serve the living God with good works. Now, yes, we can do good works, but it's not by our works we are saved. It's by our belief in what he's done and who he is that we are saved. Six, Jesus' sacrifice pays the price for our freedom our eternal freedom for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many mark 10:45 in the ESV even freedom has its price and Jesus paid that price for the believer The sacrifice of Jesus frees us from the bondage of sin so we can live a life pleasing to God. That's right, pleasing to God, not pleasing to ourselves, not living a life so that we will get more money and have flash cars and big houses and fancy clothes and good food. That has nothing to do with it. There's many who have that and know nothing about God just to show you that that's not why we're here and that's not why we believe. Seven, Jesus' sacrifice was pleasing to God. It satisfied his wrath. Now, I'm not sitting there saying that Jesus, God, that God the Father was dancing in heaven while they were killing his son, but the sacrifice satisfied the wrath that was to come to all of us 
Of course, there is wrath to come to some of us who do not believe, or some of us who say we believe but really do not, and who will hear those dreaded words, depart from me, I never knew you. But listen, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, the sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5 verse 2 in the ESV. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, satisfying the wrath of God that we might be saved. Jesus was blameless, firstborn son of God, making him the only sacrifice that would have been acceptable to God for all of our sins and to save us from death. Eight, Jesus' sacrifice shows how he is our friend. Greater love hath no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 13, ESV. The sacrifice of Jesus places us in a privileged position to be in relationship with him. His sacrifice opens the door for us to know God and to be friends with God. Amazing. Even though we are servants of God, he calls us friend at the same time. He cares for us. He loves for us. He loves us. He sacrificed his life for us. Nine. We're going to 12, guys. Jesus' sacrifice gives us the power to follow his example. I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul speaking, I believe, in Galatians. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 in the ESV. Since the sacrifice of Jesus frees us from sin, because we believe in his sacrifice and what he did and what it did, we now have the power to live for him. We can now do what we couldn't do before, knowing before knowing Christ. Live a new life by faith that honors God. 10. Jesus' sacrifice sets us apart for his good works. Who gave himself for us, redeemed us from all lawlessness, and purifies for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Titus 2.14 ESV The sacrifice of Jesus positions believers to carry out good works. We are now empowered to live out God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And who are we empowered by? The Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus, through his sacrifice, through God who loves us. <clears throat> 11. 
Jesus' sacrifice makes us righteous. Yes, you're not righteous of your own self, even if you're saved and you believe in Jesus. You're not, there's nothing that you did. And there's nothing that you can say to boast, to say, oh, I'm this or I'm that. No. It's through Jesus we can boast only. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, because Jesus didn't know sin. He didn't do any sin. That in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5, verse 21. ESV. Not only does the sacrifice of Jesus cleanse us of our sins, but it also imparts the righteousness of Christ to us. Now, when God sees us, he doesn't see me as that sinner, man. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see our sins. He sees the perfect life of Christ as if we lived it ourselves. Imagine that. Jesus' sacrifice, this is 12, Jesus' sacrifice gives us victory. But when Christ had offered for all times a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected all for all time, those who are being sanctified, which are the believers. Hebrew, and sorry, the which are believers, that was my little adding. Um, as I said, I, I really implore you to read these scriptures as I'm giving you them, um, because sometimes I do get excited and I'll say a couple words at the end of a sentence or something, and you might be there because you can't see me doing it. Um, not really recognize that I'm saying a little two cents here and there at the end of the scriptures because it just sounds so real to me that I want to say something to it, answer it almost. But that was from Hebrew 10, 12 to 14 in the ESV. It's easy to mistakenly think that sacrifices mean weakness, but Jesus shows that this is untrue. The enemy thought he won when Jesus died on the cross. He didn't expect Christ to rise again. And he certainly didn't expect the power of the cross to be given to every believer. Otherwise, guarantee you, he wouldn't have even wanted to have anything to do with uh, the crucifixion. He certainly did not expect the power of the cross to be given to every believer who places their faith in Christ. Christ's sacrifice is the power to the Christians. It is a sign of strength and victory that can never be taken away. Remember that. As I said, check out these scriptures in the Bible for yourself. If you don't have a Bible, you can luckily find everything online these days. Just make sure you know where you get, what website you're looking at, because there's nothing that would say that people won't pervert things online. So always make sure you do your own homework, your own research. Don't trust other people in that way. When it comes to the things of God. Now, just a small comment. And this is just something that I 
of say as a person living life living these many years on this earth five ways to see the change in your life so knowing that you are saved knowing that you believe in god knowing that you believe that jesus died on the cross and that he rose again and that he walked among men and many saw him and he did various things and then he was taken away and gone up to sit at the right hand of father god so a question after all this how do we move on from just being saved now you might think that that is the end all except we also have to live a life and we also want to live our life in a way that we exemplify or we represent or we are holding on or we are in communion or we are in relation with god so these are five six things that i say can help you first immerse yourself in the bible and the proper teachings of the word of god now i did start by telling you how many different ministers that i've listened to and there were more there was also Derek Prince. <laughs> there was also, um, what's that guy's name? New York. I can't remember. Um, was it Times Square Bible Church? I can't remember. Um, but immerse yourself in the Bible and the proper teachings. Make sure the people who are teaching you are real Christians and they're reading from the real Bible and they're not adding a whole bunch of their persona or charisma or razzmatazz to the teachings that they're giving you and straying away from the real and true gospel that also has to do with the music you listen to be careful that you're not just listening to soul music that fronts itself as gospel music when in doubt, go towards music that is directly from the Word of God. People who sing actual scripture. Because there's many that will sing a song for 12 to 15 minutes over and over saying the same, same words, that vain repetition doing nothing but making you feel emotional and wanting to cry, but having nothing for your spirit in there. It's just good soul music. So be careful. Two, and these are my, remember, these are my comments. These are my small comments. Number two of six, separate yourself from those who do not believe and do not do the things, you know, that you're supposed to that people are doing things that are contradicting the word of God. In other words, now I'm not saying that you can't have friends who aren't safe. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be around. I mean, you've got to, you got to work. You got to live in your home. What happens when your family, some parts of your family don't believe, are you going to kick them out of the house or whatever the case is? It's no, you separate yourself to do things that you know, God would have you do. You can't be following your friends to the bar. You can't be following your friends to go and make fun of somebody or 
in all kinds of revelries and all kinds of lascivious behavior. You have to know that you are different. You are set apart. You feel it. You know it. And most of the time, to tell you the truth, the people around you know it. And sometimes they'll look at you like they might say, aren't you coming? And you'd be like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come. And then when you're there, they're like in their head saying, what is he doing here? What is she doing here? I thought they said they were they were Christians. You know, what kind of ambassador are you being looking at certain things that, you know, you have no business looking at? You know, I don't know if it's happened to you. It's happened to me. Where it's like a, you're coming out of a movie theater out of some horrible movie like man if somebody from church actually saw me walk out of this movie right now i'll be like so embarrassed you know and you got to think god can see you he's not blind first of all so you're sitting against him right then what type of an ambassador of christ are you when you're coming out of some real bad place think about it okay number three I don't know why I added it for here. Move away from excessive partaking in the world. And again, that's with the music. That's with the movies. That's with the media. That's with how much you're really sitting on that phone doing pure nonsense. These smartphones are making dumb people. Think about it. Five, speak the word of God. Move away from your own opinion. And how can you speak the word of God? By reading it. By immersing yourself, as I said earlier, in it. How do you get yourself uncaught up in various immoral, sinful acts that you're struggling with? The more you immerse yourself in the things of God, the more you read the word of God, the more you pray and the more you associate with other people, maybe who you have accountability with. And that's where the church comes in. Also, the more you can move away from some of the foolishness that you've been partaking on, that you've been struggling with. And again, these are my small ways of, of helping people who have been struggling with certain sins in their lives. There's a lot of time. There's just these little, little foxes, these little things that a struggling Christian is fighting with regularly. Now, last one, pray regularly, pray without ceasing. The scripture says now, are you sitting there? You can pray at all times. Yeah, you can pray. You can pray in your mind. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray when you wake up. You can pray when you go to sleep. You can pray when you're reaching tough situations and and and, and problems and issues. You can pray when things are going amazing and great and you're on the mountaintop situations. Pray. Stay connected to God and the things of God. That will help. All of us have sinned. You got to watch. You got to stay strengthened in his word. You have to remember his word. You have to hold fast to God and repent when you sin. Okay? And 
remember this and this was the whole point this one little this one little sentence here and i got a few minutes left and i'm going to be gone as a child right nobody has to tell you to lie you know when you were a little kid and it's like your mom asks or your dad asks did you take that quarter off the table no it wasn't me so you stole it and now you're lying about it that's two sins right there boom bam it might have been a cookie it might have been a pair of shoes <laughs> um nobody taught that child and i'm sure you can look back in your own life and see whatever it is maybe you didn't steal maybe you've never stolen anything in your life maybe it was a lie you told right maybe it's something you coveted you 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 wanted something that somebody else had you desired it. That's a sin. Nobody has to teach you those things. You understand? You're born in it. How were you born in it? Because Adam and Eve were here first. Abraham was here. Our, our father Abraham. He was here first. These people sinned. You were of their line. All of you. Every one of us. first people were Adam and Eve. They brought sin in the world. The wages of sin is death. That's where you're headed for if you're not saved. Now, yes, we're all going to die a physical death, but we don't all have to die a spiritual death that is continually happening in eternity after you physically die on this earth, my friend. Listen to this. And this is the last scripture. In Romans, Romans, uh, I think it's Romans 3. I don't know why I didn't put the verse, the, the chapter here. I don't know what I was thinking. I was cutting and pasting. But, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is now no difference between Jew and Gentile because of what Jesus did for all have sinned and that's just in general the righteousness through the faith in Jesus Christ who we believe but alone beyond that differently from that it says there is no difference between Jew or Gentile we all have to come through Christ now for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Okay, so I leave you now. I ask that you join me again. It may not be this way next time, <laughs> but... It might be. Who knows? Um, maybe depending on feedback. Who knows? But um, I just wanted to to put that out, that all out there. Now I'm not a minister. I'm not a preacher, and that's not what I usually do. But I do try to give my listeners the truth that I know. And if there's something that I've said here that needs to be 
fixed. I'm all ears, all open to hear. And, <laughs> you know, I love to hear from listeners and I'm happy to know that people are actually listening. But as I said earlier, if there's one person, if nobody ever listens to me but you, yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever you are, whatever your name is. And there's something that I've stirred up in you to seek and to read the word more, then I'm 100% over the moon. Do you understand me? I'm being honest with you. I'm happy that you're listening. I'm happy that you've listened. I'm happy that this podcast, this episode could stir it up in you to want to know more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next time, thanks for coming out. Take care. God bless or may God bless you. And God has already blessed you. You've heard these words. God has already blessed you. You're still alive. Keep living. But more than just keep living, live for Jesus. Take care.